I've always had a, a challenge around not feeling like I'm wanted, you know, and that, that I think it, it, no, not I think, I know, and I've got to be honest with myself in the world, is, is that comes from, you know, a single parent family and that, that experience of not having a father that was present, you know, really, definitely. And it's become more apparent, becoming a father myself. So I had a lot of fear. And if I'm honest, I didn't deal with it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Real Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Welcome everyone to another episode of Every Old Podcast where every week we have a different guest come on and talk about their personal circumstances about what they consider a loss and describe if it actually was in the end. They will talk about the highs, the lows, everything in between and just kind of get into nitty gritty because I think it's important that we share our experience in life because from the outside looking in, our life looks rosy. I'm talking about Instagram ready, the filters, a whole shebang. But then when you look at your bank account, when you look at your marital status, when you look at the car you're driving, ugh, no filters working on that. So sometimes you have to come true with it and to show what people have got in terms of, I've got this because I went through that. Or I don't have this because I'm going through that. One thing I, I was talking to someone today about actually was there's so many people that are willing to tell you how much they spent, which is calm. Tell me how much you spent. But I'd rather know how much you earn because it's all relative. If you're clocking in six figures and you're spending two grand on the bag, cool, you've got the money for it. But if you're on 20K salary and you're spending 2K in a bag, what are you paying off for the seven years? Don't try and make me feel jealous because that's not going to really work. And I think it's really important that we have these type of conversations where people sort of pull back the veil so people can see what's really going on. And it's not because I'm trying to say that other people are lying outright. It's just sometimes society makes us just feel peer pressure to follow what everyone else is doing. But I think it's important for our own well-being that we understand that not everything we see is actually in that context or is actually real. It's not good for us to compare because there's a phrase, comparison is a thief of all joy. So rather than compare ourselves to another, let's enjoy ourselves and enjoy what we've got. And even if it is a bit of a not such a great experience in the moment, mm. let's see where that could take us. That would be a long intro. Apologies, people. However, I must admit, I have a fantastic guest and we know it's cliche I say that, but it's true. This gentleman I met a little while ago, didn't really think much of him because he's an everyday person as far as I'm concerned. We got chatting, cool people, fantastic human being from how I heard from him. And then I've just seen him every now and again and he's just doing the most. He's got more hours in the day than I've got. He's clocking up frequent flyer miles. He's splitting himself into three people to do multiple jobs. And I'm like, yo, how did you do that? Can you teach me? Because I've got a whole heap of kids here and I need to make sure I can give them <laughs> adequate daddy time. But I can't do that magic trick you're doing. Can you tell me a little secret here? And I'll tell you what, right? He's splitting himself into so many people, right? That he's probably got one version of himself sitting down playing his PlayStation 5. Like, that's how skilled he is. <laughs> I have the fantastic Ashley. 
he is a great guy. He is extremely talented. And with anybody that's talented, sometimes an ego comes along with it. And I think it's because you have to put yourself in that position. However, he is a humble guy. You would never know what he's capable of. I don't even know the full extent of what he's capable of. <laughs> but what I can see, a little bit intimidated, a little bit. But that's my introduction to him. I'm going to let him go in and share what he feels comfortable sharing before we jump into his first L. Ashley, how are you doing? I'm really, really good. Thank you for that um, intro, Matt. That was that was brilliant. And um, the thing that got me the most was I was thinking, yeah, man, there are no filters on cars and houses. <laughs> it's just real. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm doing well. And thank you for having me on every other podcast. Um, I'm going to share a bit about my life. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Ashley Joseph. I'm an actor, writer, and presenter. I've been working in the business for, gosh, um, 20 years this year. I just realized, oh my gosh, it's 20 years since I had my first professional contract. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's where I'm at. And you may know me as the voice of Jared from CBB's Jojo and Grand Grand. I've done things like EastEnders, uh, projects for ITV2, Amazon Prime, and yeah, lo- lots of different stuff. But that's that's who I am. But um, most of all, I'm just a person who wants to make everything I touch and every person I connect with better. Well, he's had that effect on me, so I can't <laughs> complain. I just need to learn that magic trick. I need to know how to split myself in them ways and make my life so much easier. That version of playing the PlayStation, I think that's what I really want, if I'm honest. If I'm honest. <laughs> he's not there. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want to tell me, right? It don't exist and you're just out there clocking your games and I'm like, what? I haven't played PlayStation in about eight years. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I ain't bought a PlayStation Five for that sole reason. I ain't got time to play my PlayStation Four, so why am I wasting money on the PlayStation Five? I didn't even get to the PS4. I still got oh, a PS3. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm just the graft. But you're two decades strong in the game. Yeah, man. You invested your time in uh, something else. So respect to that. Thank you. So, folks, you know how it is. I get people that tell me what their L's are they want to talk about. I look at it, don't pay it no mind, and then when it comes to the interview, we delve a little bit deeper. So the first L that Ashley said that he wants to talk about is not getting into drama school. Now, you've heard his backstory in terms of what his career looks like. So for him to not to get into drama school makes me feel like a, I'm going to say this actor, and I don't mean that the violent side of it, a Will Smith moment where you didn't go drama school, but hopefully you didn't go slap no one, but no. <laughs> you still managed to make a good go of it. But mm. not getting to drama school potentially could mean that that dream's not going to happen to you because a Will Smith only comes on once in a lifetime. But what about me? How am I going to get there? I think it's interesting to hear that because I'm like, how would you do it? Because if you're set your heart and if you knew from the jump that's where you want to get into and you don't get to drama school, that feels like I'm flipping burgers at Mackie D's. Mm. No shame in it. Mm. But if that's not what you want to do, how do you deal with that? Mm. So I'll ask you to go back to the top where you feel it's relevant. Mm-hmm. And tell me how that how that panned out. Okay, yeah, I was um I was about sixteen at the time, and I was at I was at college or sixth form, studying A levels. I was doing drama and theatre studies, media studies, and psychology. And this whole thing come up about what you're going to do, UCAS, are you going to go uni? And I was like, I don't know if I want to go university and do a degree, but that's what everyone was doing. I was at a sixth form which had high achievers, so a lot of people were applying to the Oxford and Cambridge, and I was like, that's not me. And I had an incredible drama teacher who I'm still in contact with today, which is amazing. And she said, you know, you've you got to go drama school. You've you've got the ability. And in my head, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. That's what I'm going to be. 
going to be an actor. I'm going to do it. I'm going to smash it. And I remember speaking to some people and they were saying RADA and Central St. Martins and Guildhall. And I looked at them and I researched and I was like, Central School Speech and Drama. That's where I want to go. Central School Speech and Drama. I can stay at home. I can get the Jubilee line from Canningtown to Swiss Cottage. Hold tight, Canningtown. Boop, boop. And I was going to, and I was going to apply. And I had a certain energy about me of that, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it by myself and I don't need no help and I'm going to get there. And I remember applying to Central School Speech and Drama and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And there's like, you need contemporary speeches and classic speeches. I was like, what? I don't know what that is. <laughs> so I go to my drama teacher. I'm like, what's this contemporary classic? She's like, right, you can do this one. A contemporary means a play that's set after Shakespeare, more or less, and not Greek tragedy. And you need to get some t- two Shakespeare monologues. So we'll do Hamlet and we'll do Macbeth and da 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 da. And so I'm working with my drama teacher, chopping it up. And I'm going to be honest, I'm a good actor. I'm probably one of the best in my class. I know this. Every practical exam so far, I've been getting full marks in. So it's like, of course, I'm going to get into drama school. And um, I remember I get a letter saying I've got my audition. And so I say to my drama teacher, this is great. I've got an audition first round, first round. And at the first round, they say to everyone in the room, two things. They say, well, three things. Go to Central School of Teaching Drama, obviously. Three things are, one, when we call your name, you come up and audition. After people deliver their speech, don't clap. No one claps here. I was like, whoa, what do you mean you don't get applause? That's what you do. You perform, you get applause. I'm used to getting applause. So that was like, okay, that was a bit weird. And we're just in this room, just like in a horseshoe shape, and there's a panel on the table. I can't tell you who those people were. Don't know. Can't remember. Don't remember. I'm not saying they weren't important. I just don't remember. It's just the feeling of going, I'm going to kill this. I'm going to smash this audition. And the other thing they said was, there are 5,000 people that have applied for a place on a course for 30. So well done, you've got through to this stage. Now I'm thinking it's the first stage. So that means out of these 5,000 people, that's internationally, have applied, I've got to this stage. So when they say that, I'm like, fam, I'm going to slay this. I'm going to slay this. I'm getting in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm killing it. So I get up, I do my speech. It's a speech from, um, what was the play? The play was, it was a play called West. I'm sure it was called West. And um, it was a play we was doing for our uh, our last performance. So by the time I've applied and stuff, it's like I'm 17 now. You know, so this this process is happening. I'm trying to condense it. So I do it, whatever happens, get a message on my UCAS because Central School of Speech and Drama at the time was the only drama school you could apply to through UCAS. All the rest you had to apply um, independently. So I get a message saying I've got a recall. I'm through to the next round. I'm like, yes. Tell my drama teacher, I'm bopping around the school. You know, yo, listen, well, it's for like, got the, I got the recall. I'm the guy. I'm going to get it. So my drama teacher and I working on stuff again. And she says, look, and just so people understand, this is back in the day around 2004, 2005. And she says something to me that's always stuck with me for, for several reasons. She says to me, you're going to go to that recall. You're going to do the session because it had to be like a workshop session. And then you do your speeches again. And she said, there's going to be another black guy in that room. It's going to be you and another black boy. The rest of the people will probably both, most likely be white. And she said, it's between you and him. I said, what are you talking about, man? Now, I'm from East London. So I'm just born in the womb of multiculturalism, diversity. So at no point have I ever thought about that. I've never thought, well, just because there's one black guy in a thing, it can't be another black guy or whoever. So I think it's just chatting rubbish, man. I get there. There's 30 of us. And they say, out of this 30, we're only taking 16 on this course. 
So I've got down from 5,000 to 30. So now I'm like, rah, this is me. And then I meet all the people in the room. And like she says, it's me and one other black guy. Everyone else is white and is one oriental person. And I think, damn. And he's a nice guy. And it's so funny because I remember meeting this guy and I was like, what's your name? He's like, I'm Ollie. And that's a whole other story, but really nice guy and great energy. And so we do this, they do this stuff. I kill my audition. I smash it. They asked me to do one of my Shakespeare speeches and I went for the same Shakespeare speech I'd already done. I thought, I'm going to do that one. I like it. I'm more confident with it. I don't know if that would have changed anything. Anyway, every day I'm checking my UCAS from then because it would be accepted or declined or conditional offer, whatever. I've got conditional offers from other universities, but I don't want to go there. It's not a drama school. If it's a drama course, but I don't, that's not where I'm meant to be. So I'm very much at this moment in life, tunnel vision. I'm thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go drama school and the drama school I'm going to is central. I ain't going anywhere else. And I remember making a few friends at the audition day and one of them messaged me going, I got in, did you hear anything? And I was like, oh, not yet. And then the next day is like, oh, I didn't get in. Is everything all right? And then there's two things that happened. I don't get in. I feel like my world's over. I feel like this, what am I doing to myself? I shouldn't be acting. What am I going to do? And I don't want to go to any of these other drama schools. I don't want to, I'm sorry, uh, universities and do these drama courses. I don't want to pay money for something I don't know if I want to do. I come from a single parent family. I don't want to be in debt. I don't want to put that on my mum or myself. And then this person stops talking to me. This person who got in and I didn't get in, they stopped messaging me back. And it wasn't, it wasn't Ollie, it was someone else. Ollie's lovely. Ollie and I still speak. But I was in a place where I was just thinking, is this what this industry does to you? I've given all of this stuff. I've given my energy, my love, my time, my commitment, my desire. And just like that, nope. And I remember talking to my drama teacher and she says, oh, you apply again next year. Just apply again next year. Have a gap. You apply again next year. You'll get in. You'll go back. I said, no. I said, if they don't want me the first time, they can't have me. Like I say, I had a certain arrogance about me at that age. <laughs> but if they don't want me now, they can't have me. But then I'm racking my brain going, what am I going to do? Because this is the only gateway to the world I want to be in. It's like someone who wants to be a doctor. They can't just go in without that qualification and those, and those years of training and those seven years of being a junior doctor. So I'm racking my brain going, I don't know what to do. Kind of walking around the house. I was the first person to apply to university out of my family and get accepted and go, I'm not going. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Because I just, something in my gut, and it's only as I've got on in my life later on as a Christian, I feel like when when, it's, when your gut talks to you, that's God, man. That is God on the Bluetooth going, yo, yeah, he's on the blue. That's WhatsApp. That's my WhatsApp with God. My gut is my WhatsApp with God. And I, at the time I was feeling like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Literally. I had an odd few, odd few jobs, like I dancing as well. So I was teaching a bit of dance and stuff. And you know, the end of college is coming up. I'm, I, I'm getting results and stuff. And I, and I said to my mum, I had a conversation and the truth is, is that I, I kind of stole this from Will Smith and I, I proper idolized Will Smith at the time. And when he got accepted to, uh, I think it's MIT or something, his mum said, you're not doing this rap thing again, college. And he said, look, just give us a year. You know, they said, the parents said, okay, we're going to give you a year. So I went to mum and said, mum, <laughs> can I have one year to make this work, to try and make this work? Not having a clue what I would do. And, college finished i got results i done i done well you know two a's and a d just bad psychology i didn't like the teacher that's another story that's another story that actually i allowed myself to do bad in the subject because i didn't like a teacher that is stupid 
never put your personal feelings into something that's going to stop your success but you learn you live and you learn or you learn as you live so i um i spend the summer just doing anything i can like just getting odd little presenting gigs i'm I, my, my whole thing was whatever i'm going to do i'm going to be creative because i'm going to try and get to that path and and that's what i was was thinking i need to survive i need to show my mom in a year that i can earn money as a as, as a creative self-employed my mom was very supportive and still is which is great so um i got a job teaching dance and um and i used to hang around people a lot i used to hang around theater royal stratford east i used to just hang around places that i knew creatives would be at and just chat to them like olders and just chat to the older ones who i'd seen on tv who'd been in things like desmond's or the real mccoy and just just hang around them long enough so they think let's just give the boy a little sign let's just <laughs> that's what i'm gonna hang around people i'm gonna try and find a way into this industry that isn't drama school and i'm gonna learn on this job so i got in a year it, it was i had more, and it's re, when i speak about this i want people to know there were more days that i wasn't working than days are worse but it's very easy to go Oh yeah, I done this and I done this. No, there were times that I wasn't working, literally thinking, what am I going to do? So I was finding odd little dance shows. I got about three opportunities that helped. And this was because I was chatting to people. One of the things I got was to um, cover a presenter on MTV base. I got three gig. This is because I was dancing all the time and I was starting to get into presenting and someone had seen me do it. And they said they need a cover for Manchester, Birmingham and Newcastle. It was live shows, but it was with MTV base. I was like, yep, I'm going to do that. So I did it, worked hard. I was 19, you know, 19 at the time, got the job, got the job done. Um, and you know what? I thought, yeah, this is it. I'm in. I'm working for a TV company. Didn't get nothing after that. I was literally just, they had no one else and they got me to fill in and then they went back to all their normal presenters. So again, I'm just thinking, like, what is this? Why do I keep giving this industry so much and it's giving me nothing back. Like, why? Like, why am I not reaping anything? And then you start thinking, am I good enough? Do people not like me? Are people trying to block me? What is going on? I'm just, I'm just trying to do what I love. That's it. It's like, it's not even about the money. Yeah, I've got to earn a living, but I'm just trying to do what I love. So that happened and then from September to I think around about October I had nothing but one job a week and I was teaching dance for two hours making I think it was like 20 or 25 pound an hour something like that so I was making 50 quid a week 50 quid a week that's all I was doing and then a friend got in contact with me and went oh there's an audition for this show that I think you'd be good at and I, I wouldn't be good for this show. And it was like there was doing um a version of Cinderella at this small theatre in South East London. So I'm thinking backside, now I've got to go to South East London for this audition because I've got nothing. So I'm going to go to South East London. I, I, I don't think this is right for me, but I'm going to do it. So some of the money I'm making every week, I've had to take to travel. I go to this audition. Thankfully, somehow they think I'm good enough you know luckily i can dance i can act and i can sort of hold a tune and i can do good character work so it was like prince charming it was cinderella version and they want me to be prince charming and kind of play like a movie star so i was like great got the job i was like great this is it i'm quids in and also for people who are not familiar with the acting industry there's a thing called equity which is a union and you want to try and get your membership and get an equity card 
and you either get that through going drama school or getting a professional contract. So I was like, right, boom, I can get my equity card now. This is it. I'm in. I'm going to make money. I get the contract and the contract says that you're only paid for the performance weeks and not rehearsals. So rehearsals, they only pay your expenses. So they pay your food and travel expenses. Remember, I'm making 25, about 20, about 40 to 50 pound a week. Yeah. Still living at home. Thank God my mum's not asking me any rent yet. And so what that means is every Wednesday I teach and I take that money to travel to these rehearsals and eat a bit of food or I bring packed lunch and do the rehearsals and then go home. It's like two evenings a week and a weekend. I do that, I do that and then get the money back and then try and keep doing it. So every Wednesday I'm teaching to kind of pay for this job and then get the receipts back. And um, and at the time, an equity minimum contract, you would get £325 a week. That was it. And you're supposed to get that for eight shows a week. We were doing more than eight shows a week. And as a newbie, I didn't know you're supposed to get extra money for those shows. So I'm just like, right, I'm getting money. I'm getting 325 pounds. I've gone from 50 quid a week to 325 pounds. Yes. I do this show over Christmas. I'm oh, just traveling every, every day from East to South. A great company, great people, really lovely directors, a really good opportunity. And the funny thing actually is, that was one of John Baega's first jobs. John Baega was 13. Wow. Yeah. John Baega was 13 doing that job, playing like one of my like kind of young bucks, uh, so to speak. And so, yeah, I, I do this job and I think this is it. And they, they help me out. They get my equity membership for me. So I'm in the union. I'm like, this is great. This is great. I've won. I haven't gone to drama school and I've won. Boom. Job finishes. Nothing. I've got nothing. I've got no contacts. I've just noticed one director. Really, I just know this one director, the people at MTV base I try and connect with, I don't really hear anything, people move on. So I know this one director and I've been doing odd little bits of like community work. So I get odd little bits of teaching arts to like in some schools or going to do some projects, but I've got nothing that's getting me to where I want to be. I want to be an actor. So I'm just thinking maybe, maybe it's time to just let this go, man. Maybe something else I can do. And then from there, this director says to me, oh, um, why don't you come to this thing with me? The same director, Cinderella, she goes, why don't you come to this thing with me? I've been invited to this little event networking thing. I think it'd be great for you. You should meet this guy because you're good at comedy and he runs the comedy school. I thought, okay, cool. Go to this thing. I'm thinking, great, I can get an opportunity here. I can get I can get <laughs> a job. So this guy goes, yeah, I'll be in contact. He contacts me. I'm like, yeah. He says, yeah, so um, what I'd really love for you to do is come on my comedy course. I was like, okay. Yeah, it's, I can't remember what I say. It was, it's 300 pound. I was like, what? I was like, I, I can't afford that. I got a money. Well, we can offer a little bit of a discount rate. So, you know, and say it was like, it's 300 pound, but the discount is 250 quid. You know, it's like, that ain't a discount, man. That's still a problem. You know, <laughs> that's still a problem. So I'm thinking, damn, what, what can I do? So he said, look, have a think about it. Let me know. I was like, there's nothing to think about. I've gone back to making 50 pound a week. I, I can't afford this. There's no way. So he gets, he calls me again a couple of weeks later and I go, look, mate, I got no money. Please stop. Like I, if, if I could, I would. And he goes, no, I think there's a way I can um help you get onto this comedy course and actually get you earning some money. So he said to me, um, there's a TIE project I'm doing. I was like, what's TIE? Man, what's TIE? What the fuck's TIE? TIE is theatre and education. So they create theatre shows and they take them into schools and do 30 minute plays around different themes. You know, in primary schools, it could be road safety. In secondary schools, it could be uh, consent or teen pregnancy, whatever. And this one was particularly about 
knife crime. So he said, will you come to the audition? I went, yeah, I'll come. Went to the audition. And do you know what's really interesting about this? When you lose and you haven't got as many opportunities, every opportunity that comes your way is is a diamond. It's a gold, it's a piece of gold dust. And so for you, it's not just about becoming an actor or, or staying on that path. It's actually, I need this. Like I need, I need this to win for every single reason. So whatever anyone does in that room, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be the best. And actually, I don't need to compete with y'all. I'm competing with myself because I know what this means to me. So I've got, I've got everything I need within me to achieve this. And so I, I go into that audition knowing that whatever happens, I'm coming out of here with that job. I don't care. So the day's going on for the audition. They cut people. I'm still there. They cut people. I know that feeling of being from 5,000 to 30 and being cut. So at this moment, as I'm getting cut in these, uh, sorry, as people are getting cut in these auditions, this ain't nothing for me. This is like a room of 30. I'm like, it's fine. I will be here at the end of the day. Get to the end of the day. I worked with this really cool actress who we're still friends now, Tony Ray. And we came up with this little combo thing. They wanted us to do some little funny thing. And the next day I get offered the job. I'm like, this is brilliant. So it's a six week contract. But now I've learned something. I've learned something from this Christmas show of going, just because you get one job, it don't mean the next one's going to come. So I get this and I'm thinking, right, who else can I talk to? Who do I need to negotiate like that, like network with and, con- and just keep chatting to people and seeing stuff. So I'm con- I'm still talking to the director back at the Cinderella show that I've done. They help, they tell me about another company. So I email them my stuff while I'm doing this tour. And I never knew about theatre and education. Let me tell anyone who's listening. Theatre and education is where you will learn to act and hold an audience. The reason I say this is because you will go in some places where some of them secondary schools, them kids don't, don't care about you. They will tell you that it's rubbish. They'll tell you that it's not on it. They will say some fancy four-letter swear words at you. And you have to hold them, whether that's through a gripping performance that's real, that relates to them, whether it's comedy. And I learned very quickly to go, you know what, Ash? Cut your teeth on it. It was like every job I was getting paid for was a different part of um, an apprenticeship for me. And I was learning different modules on the job. So I, I, I didn't even realize for me, even talking to you now, about it now, God was putting me through drama school in a different way of going, yeah, I understand you're afraid of pain. So I'm going to pay you to get you where I need you to be. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make ways for you to get it. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put you at the top without you having the right foundation and being humble and appreciating the graft and the climb. So I do this show, this comedy tour about knife crime and I audition for another company and I get that job. So now I finish one show, I have a week off and I start another six week thing. So as I'm doing that, I'm pushing out. I'm still chatting to other people. I'm going here, going there, running other projects still, doing presenting gigs. I start working with my double act partner. We're pushing stuff. So I'm like, right, I'm starting to get momentum. I'm starting to get momentum here. I finished this second tour with, they're called Big Big Fish Theatre at the time. So I finished that second TIE tour. And I'm thinking, I know theatre and education isn't where I want to be, but I'm learning a lot. It's tiring. It's grueling. You have to put up the set yourself every show, then do the performance. It's not, it's not West End, you know, it's not the, gl- I've been, I've done West End. It's not the glitz and glam. It's not beautiful TV. It's not, you're on a movie set in there. Like you said, I've got frequent flyer miles, but let me tell you now, I had frequent foot miles before I had that man. I was, you know what I mean? Walking, commuting, lifting, carrying, you know, t- I put in the work. I've, I've done the hours. You were doing 10,000 steps a day Listen, before bro. it was a, before it was a thing. 
before it was a thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the, the seed had to go so far down the ground to make sure those roots were there and that I wasn't going to come unstuck because it's a fickle industry as well, you know? So when I'm looking back and talking to you, I'm realizing that I needed to have that grounding to be in certain positions and have gratitude, but also advocate for others, support others, help them as they're coming up. So anyway, I um, I, I got to a place where there was no work coming in. There was no acting work coming in. So I'm like, right, what's your other string that you can flex? Okay, boom. Teaching work, I dance as well. So I start chatting to some people. There's someone that I know from the kind of festival circuit community festivals who also knows an arts organization. I applied to work at this arts organization and I start teaching their summer projects because obviously in the summer holidays, everybody break up and everybody want their, their children in something and all the parents want their children doing something. So there's organizations out there that get funding to run performing arts projects. So you're working on your craft, you're helping the young people, which was important to me because I got so many projects growing up for free. Again, I wasn't in a place where I could afford to go to the Italia Contes. So the, the little projects really helped me. So I did one of those jobs and now I'm making about 450 a week. So I'm like, what? You know what I mean? I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I've gone from 325 to 450. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm doing this. I'm doing this thing. And, you know, summer's fast approaching. It's, it's, it's coming towards the end. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know what's going to happen. And I get asked, because people know about me, I get asked to go and teach some workshops at a school. And I think, brilliant, I'm going to go teach these workshops at a school. So I'm just, my whole goal is to go, I need to get on a job where I'm in the same place that people that come out of drama school that I'm viewed in the same way. It hasn't happened yet. I'm doing everything else. And my friend calls me, my um, my double act partner, and goes, look, he's proper cockney. He's half St. Lucian, half Zimbabwean, but he's proper cockney. And he's like, Ash, Ash, mate, I just got in for an audition, mate. Listen, it's not my kind of thing, mate. I think you should go down there and just try luck, mate. I think like when we do all this dancing and rapping thing, it's not me. It's not me, mate. You go for it, all right? I'm like, where is it? He's like, yeah, it's a half moon young people's theatre in Limas. Go down there. So I'm teaching these workshops. I, can't, I, I leave. Again, I remember these are the days where you ain't got contact lists and whatever, you know, I think Oyster cards are just a thing. Oyster cards, are, there's no contact list, there's no contact list cards, all of that, you ain't got things on your phone. So I remember just like getting on, getting on um, a train down there and I remember tapping out and not having enough money to get back and I didn't have my wallet on me. So remember now, if you have an audition the same way if you have a job interview, you can't tell me you got a job interview and then I can just turn up and go, I want to be interviewed as well for the job. There's a process. Yeah. So getting there is half the journey, guys. Getting there is half the journey and trying to get that door open to be seen. So I buzz, I buzz, I get to this theater and I buzz, man. And I don't know what's going through my head. Now I'm about 19, yeah? This is 2006, people. And um, this this lovely woman just speaks on intercom. Hello, can I help you? I was like, hi, um, I heard you're having auditions today and I just want to know if there's an opportunity if I could audition. I'm not down for it, but I'm just being really honest. I would really love to audition for a role. So she went, okay, come in. And yeah, she speaks to me. These days, you'd have your CV printed out, man. Part of this podcast right now is making me feel like I'm old, just so you know, because I've said these days a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah. The truth is the truth. <laughs> these days, you know, na- like nowadays, people's Instagram and TikTok is their CV. But these days, you have your CV printed out, all your credits as a performer and your, your picture. So I had one on me. By the grace of God, I had one on me. I gave it to the woman. And she went, okay, I'll just go and speak to them. So she goes upstairs. I'm getting near to the end of this this story. She goes upstairs, she chats to them. I didn't know at the time, 
but the director of the show and the artistic director of the theater, they look, they look at my CV, they go, okay, yeah, it looks quite good. I, I don't know why we haven't, we haven't seen him. The reason why they haven't seen me is one of the things you get to do when you go drama school is you do three years. And at the end of it, there's a showcase and all agents come along and agents are the people that help get you auditions. And you luck in most people sign for an agent. I have no agent. I've got no agent. I'm doing this all off my own back and just talking to people that I know and just asking people for opportunities. So that's a very important part of the story, you know, because my friend who told me about this audition had an agent. So I'm sitting downstairs waiting. And, and before this woman went up, she had given me some scripture and just look at the scripts just in case so you can have a, a bit of a look at the scenes. And so I'm sitting there looking for it. It's all this rap stuff and everything. I'm like, okay, cool. And they want me to do this. And this it's a show called Locked In and it's about a pirate radio station. And this is a young MC who's just really proud and where's his, where's his faith on his chest? Like he's got his big chain. I'm just remembering the descriptions of, of a cross and everything. And he's very, just at the forefront, but he's East London as well, which I loved because I'm in East London. So I'm like, okay, cool. So, um, this woman comes down and goes, yeah, they're going to see you in a minute. So just get yourself ready. I was like, cool. And I, I go in this room and the director says, oh, I don't know how we missed you. I'm Angela. This is Chris. We'd like to see you do this scene. And there's a bit of a scene. And then he goes into this rap. And what was the rap? Can I remember the rap? His whole thing is he has a fantasy about being at the MOBOs. And he's like, I'm at the MOBOs and I'm doing my speech. But single best, I haven't got an award for each. With my best garms on. And I'm looking pretty nifty with my bling and my charms on. I'm fatter than 50. I'm just throwing all my whole energy in the room. I'm dancing. I'm vibing. I'm in their face. Like, it's just like, if he's having a fantasy, I'm thinking he's the star. He's the winner. So I finished my audition. They're looking at me blank face. You know, when someone's jaw just opens, dropped eyes are wide in shock and I'm just like oh my gosh what have you done Ashley you mash yourself up because this is the first opportunity to do a show that's going to tour the UK it's going to theatres you know it's going around London it's, it's lots of other places I'm thinking this is going to be great for me and I, and then I'm, and then the, <laughs> the little boy in me is like um, do you need me to do anything else do you need me to dance I can dance if you want <laughs> you're not trying to save the audition and I went no it's, it's fine that's all and I went okay so I leave, I go downstairs. I say to the woman who, you know, did that all for me, I said, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. And um, and I remembered, obviously, when I came out, I didn't have enough money to get on the train. So I was like, I'll get the bus. I didn't have enough money to get on the bus. Oh, it's the card. Yeah, because I left, I'd forgotten my wallet that morning. So I walked from Limehouse to Cannon Town. You do like these steps. I mean, I'm, I'm peak fitness, 19. <laughs> <laughs> peak fitness and i remember as i was i mean it was about i think about an hour or something of, of walking and i remember as i was, as i got on the street to my family home my phone rang and i didn't know the number and i answered the phone and said hello and i said hi hi ashley it's amy from half moon who's the woman who let me in and she said they'd like to offer you the job they'd like to offer you the part i was like what nah like i'm like i really messed this up now this is in comparison to me thinking i smashed my audition for drama school i'm in and in this room i was like no nah, i've messed this up i saw their faces i've not not done a good job i mean are you serious you, me she went yeah they want to offer you the part of blaze in locked in i went okay she went do you need to talk to anyone your agent i was like no 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 yes i have it i'll give me the job <laughs> Where do I sign? Where do I sign? Yeah, I didn't know what the, what the money was. I didn't know. All I knew was a UK tour, a hip hop drama. And um, 
And I'm going to fast forward a little bit to then when we go in rehearsals. So we get into rehearsals. It's three of us in the show. There's three things I want people to know about this this show. And on the first day, they say you have to build the set and take it down when we tour still. And we're going to be going to some schools. I've just spent part of my time building and taking down sets and going to schools and doing performances. Psh, not phased by that. But I'm going to go to theatres as well. I've got into the theatre world. I've broken a dead gate. Out of the three of us in the show, there's one female who's been in the industry for a few years. And the other guy, this is his first professional contract. And he's just finished drama school. And guess what drama school he just graduated from? Central School Speech and Drama. The legend that is Kim Hardy. I hope you're well, mate. And that hit me like, whoa, I've worked so hard in a year. He's obviously spent three years at drama school and we've come to the same place in it. And, it, and for me, it wasn't about time or, or, or space or age. It was just about the stage. We were both at that stage in our career to be in this show. And we worked so well together. And for me, it was so important that that happened. Also, the director, Angela Michaels, who's become my theatre mum, who, goodness gracious, I, I don't know how many shows she's cast me in. And then also, my, she's directed some of my work as a writer as well. But when I was saying, obviously, I don't have an agent, and that's why you didn't find me, and I'm not on a thing called Spotlight that I didn't know about, which is like a casting directive for, for performers. She helped me. She goes, well, you've got to write to a few agents, write to these guys' agents, or whoever these actors were, if I wrote to their agents. And she said, oh, there's an agent who's, I know, who's just gone into it for about a year. He might, he might take you on. So I wrote to him, he came to the show and he signed me. And um, yeah, I did that contract for 10 weeks. I didn't really do anything afterwards. I had a few little gigs in between, like between November and December. November, yeah, December, January. And then I was just going to auditions, man. I was going to auditions. I was in the place, in the space. And my first TV job I, I booked and it was EastEnders. I got two episodes of EastEnders. And like I say, there's a lot of times that I've left out where I wasn't working and just trying to get my mind right and, and gymming or going and training at dance or just going down to events and just chatting to people and hanging out at shows and trying to get free tickets for things and doing stuff like we, um, me and my double act partner, we was at a show at Hackney Empire, man. And we just, we just kind of bullied our way backstage, you know, and just said, look, man, you guys have got free time on the stage. Let us do a comedy set. And we did that. And, you know, we took that opportunity and it, it could have been a big loss, but we took that opportunity and a producer, programmer from Hackney Empire saw us and then we started getting opportunities at Hackney Empire as well. But I, I guess that's the story about not getting into drama school that from around about what, February 2005 all the way through to, 2000, to November 2006, I didn't get into somewhere, was lost, was a bit confused, just pushed for everything I could do find opportunities some days yeah was hanging out at friends houses to just whatever clock in the morning because I just didn't know what I was doing with my life but within the space of 18 months I got myself in a production that got me an agent which is what I wanted and worked with someone who'd been at Central and we both had different approaches but man we both really committed and delivered strong believable performances as, as actors and so yeah that that taught me that Sometimes the, the loss ain't the loss, you know. Sometimes the the no is, in, is a blessing, you know. I heard Steve Harvey say something a few months ago. He said sometimes the breakup is in the blessing. Sometimes the rejection is the blessing of going, this ain't, this ain't your path. This is where I need you to go. So, um, yeah, I've talked a lot. 
but that's that's what happened. <laughs> it was intriguing, to be fair. There's a lot to unpack in what you've just said, and I thank you so much for sharing as eloquently as you did and really painting a, a very vivid picture. You being so bullish in your earlier years, and I get that because if everyone can kind of understand where I'm coming from when I say this, when you're younger, you could break your arm in the morning mm. and by the afternoon you're completely healed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, depending on your age, you can stump your toe three months later, you're still hurting. <laughs> so that's that's where I'm coming from. So I understand the, the sense of invincibility that you're the reincarnation of Superman. You're coming with it. You can do this. You can do that. It's amazing. So going from that to being, damn, I messed this up. Mm. Am I right in saying that there was a, there was a period of time that just kind of eroded your confidence that made you feel oh, something's not working. So as much as I think I'm good, clearly I ain't that guy. Yeah. 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 How, how did you deal with that? Especially when you told your mom, mom, give me a year. Mm. I'm going to do this. So you're still kind of bullish. You're still backing yourself. Mm. But at some point you weren't even feeling yourself like that. Mm. And that must've been a bit of a juggling that's going from, I got this mom. Just, just, just leave me. Yeah. I got this. To that, mm. I, I don't know how to connect these dots. Um, what was the thought process, and how do you manage that? I think, if I'm being honest, and, and it's unpacking that I'm doing in my adult life as well, is that I've always been, I've always had a, a challenge around not feeling like I'm wanted, you know, and that. That I think it, it, no, not I think, I know, and I've got to be honest with myself and the world that is, is that comes from, you know, a single parent family and that, that experience of not having a father that was present, you know, really, definitely. And it's become more apparent becoming a father myself. So uh, I had a lot of fear. And if I'm honest, I didn't deal with it. I didn't deal with it. The person who dealt with it was my sister, Lydia. She is oof, the most inspirational person in my life. She's just the strongest person I know. Anything I was going for, she's like, come on, Ash, you can do it. Come on, Ash, this is like, this is what you're meant to do. This is you. You don't worry about it. I've got you. Remember, you can do this and you can, and you remember that move, the audience really like when you do that move. And it's really interesting, but my whole life, I've always had incredible women around me that are, that are my spine. You know, my mum, my sister, both my sisters, my aunt, my wife, you know, I just have them. And, and, and it, it really stemmed from her of going, yeah, you you can do this. And it's crazy because we had a dance group and stuff and I'd be at the front saying, yeah, we can do this and do that. But really, I felt empowered by her power. You know, she saw me in ways that I never saw myself. Where, where I am now in my life is a shock to me. It's not a shock to her. She's like, you still got, you still got further to go. <laughs> it's greatness in you. And so for me, it's about your, your environment, who you surround yourself with, you know, and some people might think, oh, you know, you need 
all the budget and oh if you have parents that can send you to this fancy place or give you this technology and have a green screen and give you um i don't know and make denzel washington your drama teacher then you're going to be fine don't get me wrong those things are going to help but if someone can't act they can't act and not even denzel can help you but having a circle around you that see you that keep you humble but empower you and push you my sister would lift me up but keep me grounded it's it's really difficult to explain um it gets me emotional thinking about it because a lot of who i am today i owe to her you know and and there is there was no mistakes in god putting me and her through the same parents there's no god is that now you two got to come from the same womb so yeah it was definitely her the whole way like through sixth form because she was the year above me there's 18 months between us so she's 18 months older than me so she was the year above me at sixth form and then when I was trying my stuff she was always there always there coming to see stuff supporting things just yeah man I'm going on off on one because of how much love I have for her but it was her and when I think about it yeah it's 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 her and it's always gonna be her (laughs) you know there's no shame in giving her flowers while she's still living i'm very much a firm believer give people flowers while they're living rather than their tombstone Mm. that's something my mom taught me a long time ago and i stand by it and it's lovely to hear that you have someone who has been your cheerleader has been your inspiration has been your conscience has just brought you out of the darkness sometimes to say it's not forever Mm. it's a season you know come and do this because I know a lot of us suffer with imposter syndrome, rightly or wrongly. Yep. And I appreciate your honesty saying about you didn't feel it. Mm. You wasn't there. You was just didn't, you didn't want to deal with it. Mm. But then when the times were quiet, when no one was around and you had that quiet time, it was still, h- how did you deal with those thoughts that were in your head when things weren't going right? Um, gosh, man, a lot of lying to myself. A lot of lying to myself, a lot of beating myself up. I think I sat between both of them lying to myself like, nah, they don't know what they're talking about. I got this. And then the other side was beating myself up. I, I remember a time that, I mean, you know, my, I think my whole career is not getting into drama school. You know, my whole career is turning one big L into a W. And I remember a time where I didn't have any work for, for months. And I, I, I talk about this because I think it's coming into what the question you've asked. And it was the first time I had to apply for like just, I guess, a normal job, a muggle job, whatever you want to call it, P-A-Y-E. And I remember writing this application, man, for to be an events manager for the fire service. I mean, me, an events manager for the fire service. I, and, I, and I wrote this application, like typing on the, on the Mac in tears, man. I was, I was bawling, like, why? Like, why can't I just be who I want to be? Why can't I just do what I want to do? And I remember praying and, and, and asking God for, for guidance. And, you know, I, um, I just started to give it, give it to God. So I give it, give it to God as much as I could and, and let go and let God and be around positive people. I, um, as, as I said to you, I was hanging around a lot of different places. I started doing a lot of, um, workshops and stuff, which a lot of jobs that our work actors do. So I started to connect with older actors who then just helped me. And that was one of the things of going, sometimes not all the answers are around us, you know, in the sense of we don't have to just talk to our peers, talk to people who've been there before you've been in that position, talk to actors that you've seen on the TV, but now they're doing 
a little improv show or a little forum theatre show in a school with you. Why are they doing that? Because the industry isn't, it's, 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 it's not rewarding in the sense of, okay, you've been in this game 10 years, I'm going to hook you up. It doesn't work like that. And so those times of, of darkness, the gym helped, prayer helped, good people, the good environments helped. Um, and learning to be honest with people that I could trust. And I say that importantly because not everyone who is around you is for you. Some people are around you when you're winning and you're flying and you're killing it on stage or screen or whatever you're doing in your industry. I use mine as reference points, but um, knowing the people that you can call up or kick it with and just go, things are not great right now. And that's what I had to start doing because when you put that, when you can hold that negative energy in you, it's like poison, it spreads. And that comes out. Because there was times like, I was going to auditions and I was just going there for an attitude. Because it's like, I don't want to even, do, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go out for this role. I don't want to be someone who's stabbing someone. I don't want to be someone who's getting shot. I got into this industry to be something else, to break the stereotype of a young black boy. So what are you, so I'm getting FX. When really the learning is, no, don't go there at all. Say, no, I'm sorry, that's not for me. Those are the things that, that really, helped me and I'm still learning man it's um it's emotional to think about you know <laughs> and I, I find that interesting that that's how you feel I, I like the fact that you feel that way because I think too many times we don't look back the whole phrase of being woke I feel has negative connotations associated with it and it's not meant to be I'm um, putting other people down it's saying there was a version of me that just wasn't wasn't comprehending the bigger picture. I'm not there yet, but I can see more than I can see right in front of me. And all of a sudden, when you realize that whatever you do has ripple effects, that's when you're like, yo, okay, I can see I need to, ma- I need to behave myself and act accordingly. Like all my actions have consequences. Yeah. I don't know how to phrase this, but for those that don't necessarily have a faith of any description or don't believe in the deity. That's your business. Got no problem with it. Live your life how you need to. But I think there's something very important that you've mentioned and that's about how you say you let, you let, gave it to God and just let go. And I think it's important that sometimes we let go of whatever's weighing us down, the expectations, mm. the reality that we're hoping to achieve in the way we want to achieve it and say, okay, success cannot only be achieved in one way. Mm. There's multiple ways in which success can be achieved. Mm. If success was a number, that number was 10. You're not just going to go five plus five, boom, that's 10. Mm. You can go nine plus one, mm. you can go 11 minus one. Mm. You can do a hundred minus 90. You can play around with it three times three plus one. I don't care. Whatever maths you need to do to get to that number, that's how you're going to get to it. Cause success comes in cans, not can't or cannot. So sometimes you need to let go of whatever your expectations are mm. just to be able to have that creative freedom to see that things are not going to be linear like that. The only thing really linear in life is your age. (laughs) You're going one way and that's it. And the pressure that's taken off your shoulders from not being that way, that's great to have passion. It's great to have a drive, have a clear idea of where you want to achieve, what you want to achieve and where you want to be at a certain age, but somewhat be flexible with it because it kind of helps you to navigate a space. As I've heard you say, I will ask you the question though, how did you know from such a young age, and I know you mentioned your drama teacher, but how did you know that is what you want? Because I tell you this, mm-hmm. my school is rubbish. Mm-hmm. 
my my career guidance office was closed on the regular. I'd, I remember walking past that, had a glass window door, and it was locked with a whole heap of books in it. I'd go in there a couple of times, picked up one book. I don't know what the book was about. Maybe architecture, and I really I can't even draw with a ruler, so no joy for me. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you you had that passion and that desire to do this. Mm. But then when you got into that, and you took it seriously because you was trying to get into mm. that school, and then you found out it's going to be, you're one other black boy. How did that also make you feel? I know it's a two-part yeah, question, yeah, yeah. but I just think it's important because I did want to draw a reference to it, but obviously there's a lot of stuff in between yeah, yeah. that. And I just want to bring it back to sort My of... My bad, sorry. No, 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 it's fine. But I want to go back to it because I think the passion is important because mm. unfortunately, a lot of people can say black boys don't have a lot of passion. Yeah. We do. In my opinion, we're just misinterpreted being aggressive mm. or being angry. Mm. It's not that we're passionate, but people just have whatever they want to put on mm. us. Mm. But then when you're there, you're slaying it, you're doing your bit, and it's like, it's going to be you and one other black boy. How do you know? I'm not even there. And then there you go. You're potentially ticking a box. How did you feel having that passion? How did it feel being in that place? And then how do you feel when you're potentially ticking a box? My, my passion has always been there from about the age of eight when I saw Real McCoy and I'm um, seeing Marcus Powell and Jeff Amar doing incredible sketching and my sister and I used to just recreate it. So I just always knew that's what I wanted to do. I, I always knew that's what I'm supposed to do. I literally, and, and more and more, look, I'm like, God gave me this gift and this is what I'm supposed to do. I, I believe that I'm supposed to connect with people through my talent that may not know him and somehow introduce them to him. That's what I think I'm supposed to do. Hopefully he'll tell me in my gut if I'm wrong. Oh, man, getting in that room and my drama teacher being proven right and she wasn't trying to um, mess me up. She was being honest and genuine with me and she has been, which is why I still have a friendship with her. But it hurt, bro. It hurt because also as well, it, it made me feel like that meant that out of those 30, they could pick 20 set because I, I, I it was about maybe 25 people were Caucasian. And then there was someone who's from Spain, someone who was Oriental. Then there's myself and Ollie. So someone else, like I can't remember who, but, but it was about that. So for me, it meant, well then actually, does that mean, every, and I don't think there might've been one black girl, maybe. I can't remember. I can't say yes or no. But anyway, I'm thinking to myself now, so does that mean that when I went through that audition process, I was just being compared to, to, to every other black guy? So it means are we in a category of our own? Not a league. Not a league of our own. A category of our own. So that hurts. And when I really unpick it talking to you, then I'm thinking, well, and this is where you can get mashed up. Where you go, well, we, mentally, are we that far from being enslaved? Because you're still pitting us against each other, just in a different format, just in a different context. I don't think it at that time, but what really hurt was like, it's just, it's going to be me or him. Why can't it be both of us? Because Ollie he's a very successful actor now as well both of us are in different ways you know we see each other we say hello we show love it's all good now one of us may have quit but both of us could have been on that course because i know there were other people who auditioned who probably got in that weren't as strong as either of us so why was their place more important than mine so that hurts man it hurts to be doing things in the world where you know that the fact that you are black sets you back a few steps it does. It's like you're starting a deficit. Come on. You know, if I'm running 200, well, I've seen, there's that study of them running the race, you know, and you've got to step back if you do this, if there's that. And that's exactly what it is. It's like I can be at the starting line for this 100 meter race, but actually I'm another 50 meters behind everyone. 
because I've got to run 150. How am I going to win? How do I have a fair chance? How do I, I didn't have a fair shot. Didn't like my, the variables and the odds were stacked against myself and Ollie. Everyone should have had the same chance. We're taking 16 on this course. Everyone should have that. Let's take the best 16. No, oh, well, we've got our black actor ticked. Okay, boom, he's on. Yeah, and also it means that you potentially would have had someone else that looked like you that could have related to you doing work with you, yeah. which which other people would have had potentially. Yep. But you're just saying, well, it's either you or the other guy. So Yeah, like show we could be showing versatility. And, and for me, and if I'm honest, that's the reason why I didn't apply back for Central. When my when my um, drama teacher said, "Yeah, you're going to go back there next," no, it's not just because you didn't want me. It's that's you. That was your perception. Now I don't know what's going on with Central now. Central School of Speech and Drama has changed a lot. I know the head of drama is uh, the head of the school is Josette Bushell Mingo, who directed me in a musical a few years ago. So it's funny how things, you know, swings and roundabouts, and how the world goes. Inc- incredible, incredible, talented black female who's just great at what she does but for me i was i'm not going back there i don't want to be there because what's the point what am i going to go back and there be t- another two two of us again or maybe three black boys this time but what are you saying and what, what are you saying about me is that i can only go up for roles that are specifically for black actors or black no i should just be going up for parts So yeah, it, um, yeah, it vexed me, man. <laughs> and I'm sorry to hear that because your confidence was so high that there was no, there was no end to it. But then to feel that, yo, I've gone from 5,000 down to 30. I'm doing this to realize, no, how many black men were there? That's the number you dwindled down by opposed to 5,000. And sometimes that can mess with your mental and a lot of people may not appreciate that, but it is, it is so hard when it comes to racism or injustice through people being different. It's, it's, it's like trying to staple jelly to a wall. It's not, it's not an easy feat. You kind of have to see, see the science behind it. Just like if someone's in domestic violence, you don't just say, Oh, cause they've got a black eye and they said they walked to the door. That's domestic violence. There's a whole series of what they say, mm. their behavior, what they have access to, what they don't have access to, what conversations being had with the other half and so forth like that. Same with racism in terms of what's being said, how's it being said, the frequency of being said, how are they, how are they judged, what comments are being made in, you know, in jest supposedly. And for someone like yourself who, and I'm going to say success is subjective because it is, but you've made a success out of what you wanted to do. Yet you found that from an early time in your career, that things weren't going to be easy for you, but you didn't kind of let that get on top of you, which is fantastic. A lot of people I would like to think should take courage from that. And hopefully one day, if it's what you want to do, you'll be able to be put on. I know you, I already know you put on shows. Mm. I know you do your bit. And people like Lin-Manuel and what he's done, mm. like everyone you say, I want to be that, you know, I'm going to be the next Broadway show. And everyone's like, no, 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 Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Like that is the benchmark. And even when he came over here with it, people, I went and saw Hamilton. I don't care. I was singing every lyric to every song <laughs> because my <laughs> missus paid top bills for that for Christmas for me, right? And I'd listened to that thing maybe 50 times before I even got there because I knew it from back when it came out in America. Banging, banging. 
but the inclusivity of it where it's got every denomination in there representing mm. I don't think I can understate how many doors are open for people to get work in that field where they previously wasn't necessarily allowed to because they're being pitted against yeah. other people that look like them and were f- fulfilling a quota. I I just love that for people to to create change, mm. to change the narrative, mm-hmm. to challenge what's going on, what's gone on before. I will ask this question, and I think. I'm interested to understand where you was at and how you dealt with it. What would you say was the worst point in that year and how did you deal with it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Worst point in that year. I don't know if it was, was it not getting into drama school? It was either that or, or or not getting any future work with MTV base. It was one of those. I think, I guess the, that feeling, both of them are very similar, but that feeling of of being on that high, knowing that, yeah, you're so close, and then it's it's like something being pulled out. It's like a part being pulled out of me. It was like the rejection from drama school and then not getting any future work at MTV base after the gig, as it being my first presenting gig for a well-known TV company. It felt like they had pulled out a part of me that I thought was just mine and then threw it in the bin. And so slowly you have to rebuild and it's one day at a time sometimes sometimes it was one hour at a time sometimes it was one minute at a time if i'm being honest i remember one day i didn't go anywhere and just watch some um i don't know what it was it was like i think it's called the sarah jane adventures which was like a spin-off of doctor who now i don't even really watch doctor who but for some reason this woman was on the tv i was just channel hopping and i just got glued and I didn't want to do anything else apart from be immersed in that world and I'm going to be honest some days I had to just switch off and just allow myself to be transported and enjoy what I do I remember having a conversation with a creative director who I used to do odd little like little small presenting gigs for and he I went to meet him one day he said oh I'll get you lunch and um he said to me are you right I was like yeah and this was in that year I completely forgot this your good good question Matt and um I'm not a crier and I started crying. I don't usually cry in front of people and I cried, cried, cried. And I was just like, what is going on? Like what is happening with me? And he, he just said, look, remember, this is something you enjoyed. This was a hobby. This is something you loved. And then what happens is you're starting to get paid for it and, or, or you're getting opportunities and then you're giving that power to people. But understand that whether you're being paid or not, whether you're in a drama school or not, you can still be creative that is what you own and so that was something I kept with me and it's in my core even now when I'm out of work um, it happens you go through my Instagram and you'll see that I'm just putting up content because I feel like I want to make this thing and I can't and I I don't want any I don't care if no one's going to pay me to do it I just want to make it I'm going to put it out because I need to stay creatively fit and that's what I realized I'd go in the gym and be physically fit you know I would go to dance and be at a certain level of fitness but what I wasn't doing was keeping myself creatively fit and so that showed me that actually Ash stay on the creative treadmill it's it's a muscle yeah exactly and if you stay ready you don't have to get ready I always find that because I I I guess I buried my creativity after a number of years at my corporate job. And when things went south for me, they went, they tanked because I had nothing as an outlet and I'd lost everything. And I find as a creative, the more I give, 
the more I get. Yes. It's sort of like I can't sit on an idea and expect that to bang because of like, no, I need to release this. I need to get it out of my system. And then some people, I guess people that are not maybe in the creative space will be like, oh, but you must monetize that. You must do that. And for me, it's like, I need to get out of my system because while I get out of my system, I'm not going to sit on it. I've done it. It's over there. I've moved on to the next thing. And eventually I'm going to refine whatever I'm going to do. That's going to be a big thing in my opinion, but it's going to be a combination of various different projects I've done in the past, but it's going to be a refined version of it yeah. where they'll go, Oh, that was really good. Yeah. But this is more functional. <laughs> this is that more user friendly prime example, this podcast, I can use this podcast in a social setting. I can use it in a corporate setting. I can use it pretty much to educate younger ones coming up to know what life was going to come their way. Mm. And that's through years of thinking about it and where I wanted to go with it. And thankfully, I have people like yourself and other guests that come on and share what they share. And it just resonates with people because it's real people talking about their real situations. And I think that is absolutely important in this time. What I will ask you is, if you could go back in time mm-hmm. to your lowest point or the hardest time, and I know you mentioned someone else said something to you, but what would you have to say based on what you know now? to the younger version of yourself to kind of encourage you to push through that hard time? Like, what would you have to say to yourself to encourage yourself to say, don't, don't, don't pump the brakes right now. Keep going. Ashley, no matter what you think and feel, God is always with you. Lean on him. And I'd also tell them, <laughs> you are exactly where you need to be right now. It may not feel like it, but you are exactly where you need to be right now to become who you need to become. So you said that very eloquently, truthfully. Would the younger Ashley actually listen to you? Or would he be saying, you're just chatting noise? He'd listen to the God bit. Okay. But it would be like, nah. What do you mean I'm exactly where I need to be to become who I You know, what do you know? You know, I need to be there. That's why I can see my, I should be there. Why am I not there with them man? Why are them man up there? Why has this man come out after me and got this? Why is this man just done two jobs and now he's got this and he's working at this theater and on this TV show, but I'm getting nothing. What, what? That's what the younger Ashley would be saying. And sometimes this Ashley still says it. <laughs> How would you have to present that information in order for the younger version of yourself to hear it, to receive it and to act based off that information? Oh, but I, look, I hear that. But all this time you spend watching other people, you ain't going to have your eyes on you. So... You can either keep watching them people and complaining or you can fix up and do something about it. What are you going to do? Would that be in an intimate setting where it's just you and them or you out there doing something? Yeah, or Yeah, 100. No, 100. Be an intimate setting. Because I know me. <laughs> I thrive on challenge, man. That's one thing that hasn't changed about me. I thrive on challenge. You know, I, I love achieving things. I love getting 100%. You know, I would rather get 85% on a test than 99 because 99 would vex me because it means you should have got 100. You just didn't pay attention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just that one time. So, yeah, I think I think that's what it would be. And um, and looking back, I, I was exactly where I needed to be to become who I needed to become and to have the, the network that I have, man, the, 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 the variety of people I have in my life is just incredible. And it's still a struggle. It's st- yeah. Yeah. I am, I am, yes, I have, I have made success. I, I have, I, because I'm making it work and I'm, you know, paying my mortgage and looking after my children and supporting my wife and going on holidays and stuff from what I earn 
in my biz in this business. But um, it's a struggle, man. <laughs> Still a struggle. Still a graft. You know what I mean? It's and do you know what? Hats off to you for doing what you're doing as hard as you're doing it. You're setting a great example for your family, and you're just living the life you wanted to. You may not know the back end of it, mm. but here you are thriving in it and doing what you need to do. What I will ask you, mm-hmm. and I know you mentioned it before, but just to formalize it, if you would say it was originally an L, looking back in hindsight, what are you calling that? I'm calling it a no, N-O, which means next opportunity. Nice. Yeah. So that's what I call it. I don't, there's no, there are no no's in life. No's just mean next opportunity or new opportunity, whatever you want to see as, you know what I mean? To be fair, I've heard a few people say, they said, they got that. Now this is, I thought was very creative. And I think you'll appreciate it. They said that L, they turn it to the side mm. and it becomes a tick. Nice. And I like that yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's all about perception. Mm. It's all about perception. Mm. I come out of all this stuff when I'm talking and, and I, I know it's not me. I know it's coming from somewhere else. And it was a matter of when you're in a situation, in my opinion, as it stands right now, my mindset is if you stop where you are right now in how you're feeling, it'll be a loss. Mm. But if you keep putting one foot in front of the other and collect another two letters, it becomes a lesson. And that for me keeps me going Mm. because right here and right now, it's a loss if I stop. But if I keep going and collect two more letters, turn into a lesson. Yeah, I like that, man. And that I think we should take heed and encourage one another to know that we're not the only one going through these situations. Now, right now, it's not going to be forever. Absolutely. What I'm going to do, because I'm conscious of time, Ashley has actually agreed to do his second L on another episode. But before we do that, we're going to wrap up and ask him to spend the next two minutes promoting anything and everything he's got going on, how people can reach him because he's that guy. Don't get wrong. You can reach out to him. He may not get back to you, but don't take it personally. He split himself into five, several versions of himself. <laughs> the PlayStation one ain't getting back to you at all. <laughs> they got places of free games to catch up on. <laughs> but yeah, the floor is yours, my friend. Um, thank you. Yes. As I said, my name's Ashley Joseph. If you want to follow me on socials, it's at Sir underscore ashley j which is a-s-h-l-e-y-j that's across instagram twitter and um the world of facebook for the old people um older older sorry for the older people the fine wine people the fine wine people currently you can catch me in episodes of jojo and grand grand where i voice the role of jared which is an animated series on cbb's which is the first black british animated series you can check that out on bbc iplayer we won a BAFTA, we've won other awards. It's incredible. Also, I think by the time this comes out, you'll see me as a new regular character in another CBB series called Justin's House, where I play a new character in there called Gary. So those episodes are coming out very soon. There's also a show I've co-written called Sound Clash that will be out or may have finished by this time. Who knows? And I will be back with a comedy show before the end of the year. So that's everything I've got going on. And I'm writing on some shows, but I can't talk about them. Sorry. Fair enough. People, you want to know? You need to go follow. Are you on Fred's yet? No, what's... Oh, no, no, no. It's just... What, what, what do you mean, what's yeah, Fred? Because uh, when you said Fred, I thought you meant as a person. Then I realised it's TH. I was like, no, no, Fred. No, no, Fred. No, 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 Fred. And I may have... Oh, uh, yeah. you talk about old people. And here you are. Yeah. <laughs> Fred, oh, Fred, Fred from down the road. Um, No, oh. I'm not on Threads yet. I just... 
it's like I'm not on TikTok. Sometimes it's just too much. It's just too much. Do you know what it is? Is I feel like if I live in the social media world, I need to, there's a big part of me needs to be in the real world. So there's certain things I do where I go to shows, I don't take pictures. I go to concerts, I don't film it. I just, You're in the moment. I just need to be present. It's so, so, so important. Just, just being present is important. So I'm not on threads, but Matt, you enjoy threads. And I'll just try and find a friend called Fred. This guy. <laughs> Mate, I'll just try to help you have connections here. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> try to help you make some friends. You know, don't want to have you being like Tom on MySpace. <laughs> when you sign up and you have Tom just looking at you going, hey. That's funny, man. That is funny. Oh, it's fine. But I greatly appreciate you jumping on and sharing all that you have. Absolute pleasure. You know, from the first time we spoke and the brief times in between, it's always been a pleasure. Never felt like a chore in any way, shape or form. And I just love all that you've achieved, all that you're going to achieve. And just the person that you are, that you're able to take stock of all the things that you've gone through, being open and honest as you have, not necessarily as a black man, but just as a man, as a person, as Ashley, mm. sharing something that's so intimate to yourself that you can appreciate the journey you've been on and, you know, big up to Mumsy, big up to everyone in your life that's had a positive impact on your life and has supported you from where you have been to where you are now and where you're going to go to. Yeah, yeah. And I just think it's just so important that people understand that no matter how successful people look and successfully subjective, just remember, but I liken it to back in the day, I'm going to show my age, back in the day, you'd have like your Destiny Child come over and they got this one song that is the first song they come out with. And you're like, bro, I just got to number one. It's their first single. Bro, they've been touring in the States for the last year, two years. They've gone out and done a pre, like a mixtape before they even did this stuff. So you didn't see the groundwork. You only seen them when they reaching the surface. So when people like you are doing what you're doing, they might see you or see your names on the credits of Jojo and Grand Grand, all these other works you're doing mm. and saying, Oh, he just stepped out and he just got everything popping. No, no man. There's layers to this. There's, it's like an onion vibe here where all the layers had to get stripped back. And trust me, there's some barling going on there. It was a lot. And here you are being honest about it, which not a lot of people do, unfortunately. No, it's important. It's important. I just say to anyone, man, you know, I'm, I'm just like some good meat, man. That's just been seasoned. I had to leave to marinate for a few days and I'm in the oven on slow cook, man. I'm not on no microwave career. You know, I'm, I'm slow cooking myself, man. You know what I mean? And if you're going to use that analogy, let's be fair, right? Some people like to get a microwave. Have you ever noticed that if you ever, like, you're desperate for food, right? You just have, like, a microwave meal or something. That microwave meal could either be done in the microwave or it can be in the oven. The oven might take 40 minutes and you're like, I'm hungry now. Yep, everyone wants that two minute 30. But it tastes so much better when it's in the oven than when you stick in the microwave because it feels like some cardboard something. That's there. right. You feel like, is this tofu? I don't remember ordering tofu. What's this? Where you put it in the oven, it might take longer, but the results are then way more fruitful. Indeed. And I'll, I'll probably leave on this point where if you think about losing weight or gaining body mass to look a certain way, like the time it takes for you to get there means you appreciate so it laying the foundation, getting the right type of habits so that when you achieve that, you can maintain it because it now becomes a part of who you are. So if you're losing weight and you need to sort of cut certain things at like your diet or moderate what you're consuming, that becomes part of who you are based on your disciplines if you then are trying to build body mass and get cut up or however it is you then also have to do the same routine maybe the opposite way but you've got to be mindful about what you're surrounding yourself with and what you consume 
That is the same with you in your life. What do you consume? Who, is, who are you hanging around? Like Ashley's mentioned, he's been around experienced actors to learn what they've done, mm-hmm. what they could teach him and how they can put, get his name in rooms where he, before he even enters them. These are the things that I think we should be mindful of. And that's my main takeaway from this. But definitely, if nothing else, people, and there's nothing to say, there's nothing about a caterpillar that takes could be a butterfly. Look at your situation now. No guarantee it's going to be this way in the next couple of signs. Guys, girls, however you identify, look after yourself. And I look forward to catching you in the next one. Every L.